Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Welcome to the podcast. It is my pleasure to host OrthoLine today. My name is Corey Callendine. I am the chair of the AUKUS Industry Relations Committee, and every year, we have decided to give out innovation awards of which OrthoAlign has taken the prize for this year at our annual meeting. Welcome to you all. I think probably we'll start very simply by telling everybody listening to the podcast who we have with us. First of all, two corporate guys from OrthoAlign. Thank you all for taking the time. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll save the hardest questions for you. I'll take it easy for the surgeon, just because I know as a surgeon, their limitations, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Uh, Eric Timko, CEO of OrthoLine. Tell us how you got involved with OrthoLine and a little bit about the OrthoLine story. Yeah, so I've been with OrthoLine about six years. I joined the board of OrthoLine after I was with Bluebelt Technologies, which we sold to Smith & Nephew. What attracted me to OrthoLine was the handheld disposable navigation that we have in the sterile field. It's perfect technology for the masses. And what we believe is the shift from manual instrumentation to technology is happening faster than ever. So this was a perfect entrance for me to take what I knew from robotics to move it into a technology we now believe is for the masses. Yeah, blue belt. It's been a while since I heard that term. But yep, yep. That was uh, in Seven the industry and making some major moves down a different path, quite frankly, than OrthoLine has taken. So thank you, Eric, for being with us today. Yep. Next up, Nick <laughs> Aldrich, the VP of Marketing for OrthoLine. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you. Thanks, thanks yeah, for man. having us. Are you the one in charge? I know this is a podcast and difficult to illustrate for our audience, but are you the one in charge of the aggressive marketing of OrthoLine in the restrooms? That I am, unfortunately, I have a great approval from the leadership here. But so how we really make our name is with some of that aggressive marketing. We have some cheeky advertisements in the bathroom. We know that all the surgeons will pass by there at some point during the day. So it's a good way to get our, our name out there. And it may make sense for us to give credit where credit is due. Fred Kushner, who's a surgeon at HSS, is really the one that brought us this idea. Yeah. Well, listen, we all go in there and it's actually something so fun to talk about. So I salute you for, I guess, meeting us where we are. So welcome. Nick, <laughs> Thank you. And your team. So we have two surgeons with us today to hopefully provide some great insight into OrthoLine. There's so much in the tech space now, it can be quite frankly overwhelming to not only people that are interested in technology, but maybe more importantly, the masses, the community surgeon who's trying to dig through all that. First up, Mike Ast, who probably needs no introduction from HSS. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Corey. Always, always fun to be talking on uh, these podcasts with you and always great to see you. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. Tell me a little bit about how you came to OrthoLine because a guy of your stature, quite frankly, could work with any company in any technology space and no doubt be well received. But I know you've spent some time with OrthoLine, so walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been using the technology since my fellowship actually was introduced to it at the end of my residency and then uh, in my fellowship pretty heavily and got started working with the team then. So I've actually been working with the OrthoLine team for over a decade now, uh, actually longer than anyone else who's still, uh, who's still hanging out with us. And so uh, it was really helpful for me because as you know, early in my practice, I was in a private practice going to multiple hospitals. And when I started that type of a practice, I couldn't bring 
very large technology. Everywhere I went, I couldn't bring a robot to my surgery center, especially this is 2013, 2014, when we just didn't have the programs we have today that make other types of technology accessible. And so OrthoLine was a sort of a perfect answer for me then. I could move from hospital to hospital, to the ASC, wherever I needed to be. It came with me everywhere I was and provided me the information I needed to know I was doing my surgery correctly. It's only gotten better from there as we've developed the newer technology, the Lantern technology, now the balance feature of the Lantern technology that's moved not just to the primary knee, but also the revision knee space and being able to have technology that every time I use it is the most up-to-date one. I don't have to wait for my software update. I don't have to pay for another anything. I just open a new box and that is absolutely the highest level of technology I get every single time. It's just always kind of a fun thing for me. And it's a great group of people like many of the companies you work with, like many of the people we interact with in industry, you want to work with good people. And I've been very blessed to work with very great people at this company. Well, it's a great thing to highlight because we're all trying to figure out what's the right way to do it? What's the next best way to do it? And what that takes is a lot of rubbing. Iron sharpens iron. So we need to be working around people that have a shared vision, have a shared focus on the patient. It sounds like OrthoLine not only has tried to focus on that as a company, but also started to understand culture that's so important to making the things happen. Also with us, another surgeon, James Chin from the OC, Orange County. Welcome, James. Mike mentioned some of the features, you know, like the OrthoLine uh, Lantern, which I believe is the overarching program, and then the balance feature, I think is how I've been instructed to talk about it, because there are layers of these things. So. Tell us about OrthoLine Lantern, the platform itself, and then if you can, just kind of dig into the balance feature. Welcome. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Corey. So again, yeah, James Chen. I'm from Orange County, California, and I'm kind of in a similar scenario that Mike Ast was in initially. So I'm in private practice, been in practice for a few years. And so I've been using the OrthoLine product all the way from the OrthoLine Plus and then to the Lantern. And so the Lantern to me is a major advancement from what the Plus was in that it gives you a lot of the gap balancing data that a lot of the robotic technologies give you as well. Again, it's in that same package that Dr. Ass mentioned in that it can follow you from different centers. You can use what implant you choose to use. And so it's nice. So it gives you the information to use a technology that enables you to perform a surgery however you want to do it. So I know we have all our different philosophies. If you want to do mechanical axis alignment, it's fine. It gives you the information to do that. And you can use the gap balancer to sort of match the extension and flexion space. And so that's really nice. I kind of find myself more towards the kinematic side. And so I use it in that fashion. So something that you almost need some of that gap balancing information to sort of make an educated decision as far as how you're going to make your cuts, guided releases, things like that. And so it's advanced from what I was using before with the OrthoLine Plus program. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds about this ongoing discussion maybe, or maybe it's a dead discussion between mechanical alignment and kinematic alignment because people are starting to move in the kinematic space. But I, I think that has been enabled by better information, right? right? We all want to match the joint to the patient, right? So that overarching concept of kinematic, I think we can all get around. right? And I think we can all get around the concept of trying to make everybody zero and making everybody the same. We know that that's not the right answer, right. but it really does matter where the information come from, how reliable the information is, and then ultimately it's up to the surgeon to develop it. You mentioned it, James, and Mike mentioned it as well, and I was gonna let it go, but I just can't. You're moving this technology space to space. Are you putting it in your white coat? Like, is there a piece of luggage that the lantern comes with? Is it just that it's so portable it can be moved place to place? Or are you physically transporting said device location to location? 
Well, I can start by answering that. So it physically lives in each location for the different settings that I am in, but I could. I carry my iPhone around with me, and it in fact looks exactly like my iPhone. And so I could if I wanted to. I just thankfully have a good support network that I don't actually have to. And that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, in our scenario, I, one of the centers I go to is a surgery center where we all use different implant types, for example. So it would be impossible for us to get a robot into that specific center, but we can all use this technology and then use the implants that we want to use. So. I don't physically have to bring it over from hospital to hospital or location to location, but I could. I think I'd be more likely to use it if there was a custom briefcase. I don't, I don't know if you all want to <laughs> We'll make one especially for yeah. you, Corey. Th- th- yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. There's a lot of different implant companies out of there. And I think one of the real powers of Ortholine is the ability to be implant agnostic. I've heard several of you mention that as a significant advantage, and, and I think there's real merit in that. But the reality is, Mike, if I can put in a different implant with the exact same technique, right? So the exact same information like Ortholine Lantern allows us to do. Won't I find a winner and a loser? You mean in terms of which implant? Yeah. You know, every one of the companies who is potentially listening to this wants me to say yes, right? You know what I mean? But, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say no. You know, as much research as we've done on implant design and we all have our philosophies on implant design and is CR better than PS and should the joint line look like this or that or lefts or rights or, it's actually never really made a clinical difference. Actually, Doug Paget put out a paper a couple of years ago looking at all of the knees we've done at HSS over the last 30 years and the implant never made any difference. The surgeon matters, the technique matters, the perioperative protocols and rehab matters. I'm sorry to all of the organizations and wonderful partners we have in industry who make metal and plastic. The knee itself probably isn't going to turn out to be anywhere near as important as we all want it to be. But using the right tools to accurately carry out a surgical plan will be. And I think this is why you see technology really starting. Now we're getting there. Now you're starting to see more technology enter the space, more people enter space. And I think like you and James were talking about, as we start to deviate from neutral mechanical alignment, it becomes even more critical to have an accurate tool to carry out that surgical tech, that surgical procedure, right? If you want to put a tibia in two degrees of varus and you have a a system that allows you to put it in two degrees of Eris, you're fine. But if you want to put a tibia in two degrees of Eris and you're using an extra medullary guide that is accurate plus or minus five degrees, a whole bunch of your tibias are going to be in seven degrees of Eris and that's probably not what you wanted to do. So I do think that especially for those evaluating alternative alignment strategies, the use of some type of technology becomes absolutely critical and having one that allows you to use whatever implant you want, because as we know, you never want to change two things at the same time. There's actually very good data. Bill Hamilton published a couple of papers. If you change two things at the same time, everything goes wrong. So you want to know your implant, know your technology, and then you can change your alignment strategy. Then you can start to deviate from neutral mechanical axis or whatever you want to do. But you got to do it using a technology that's going to allow you to be accurate enough that you're not going to put a bunch of tibias in 11 degrees of Eris. Yeah, I, I think that's great insight, Mike. And if I was a better moderator, I would have you know, tipped my hand that I was going to ask you that question. But just for our listeners, that was not rehearsed. But it's, it, it's in line. It, it, it's, it's in line We've with- We've done this before. You know? Yeah, that's right. We have indeed. But it's in line with my thought process. I think that you know, we talk about alternative alignments, I think is the term that you used, and, and I'm with you, non-zero alignment. We're trying to customize it to the patient, so we need better information. And the reality is the ability to place the components properly may be more important, like you said, than the metal and plastic, which is really interesting. How does that work from a marketing perspective? You know, there's a lot of marketing dollars, right, with these big orthopedic companies, but you guys are trying to be 
can we say Switzerland? Is that still acceptable? Yeah. Like, is it difficult to interface with these companies or? I think it's been relatively easy, right? When you think about where the market's going and the fact that surgeons are adopting technology at a pretty high rate, they're looking for those options. And in a lot of these cases, like Mike and James mentioned, they're moving from facility to facility or they potentially are using a different implant or have a hardware deformity. And having that accessible technology to sort of go across all of those uh, opportunities has been great for us. And the surgeons, again, are, they're seeking the technology. Things like the bathroom advertisements have given us the awareness to have a seat at that table in those discussions. Yeah, bathroom advertisements to have a seat at the table. <laughs> so Eric, from the business side, because yeah. I, I do think this is an important piece. In reality, I wish we didn't have to talk about money and healthcare together. Sure. But in truthfulness, we have to be effective managers of money and resources in order to allow these types of interventions to be sustainable and therefore give the patient access to the technologies. How do you see it? Because obviously there's this massive leaving of the hospital into the ASC. How do you see that trend going and specifically Ortholine's ability to address that? Yeah, I think we're a great solution as the shift to the ASC continues to move at a very fast pace. We have two levels of product available. One is the Ortholine Plus that James spoke about, and the other is Lantern. Both bring a great deal of accuracy to the table and are easy to use and create efficiencies. And if you start thinking about trying to get through your day and whether it's five, six, seven knees in a day or hips, you wanna make sure you're efficient and can justify bringing in technology that does not slow you down Oh, our time is extremely expensive. So, so what we provide is that solution that's efficient, effective, has great clinical outcomes, and it's cost-effective. Yeah. Let me get through some of the technology names, too, just so I'm clear. So Ortholine Lantern is the knee product. Did I say that correctly? So we have Ortholine Plus, which is a full portfolio. It does hips, knees, unis, and then we have the Lantern that we just launched a year ago that does total knees, partial knees, revision knees at this point, and balance. Right. Is there a role for Ortholine in hips? Maybe the surgeons want to comment on that or like where future direction could be? Yeah, I, so I use it for hips right now. So for all of my hips, I use technology. And so this has been great for, especially for my posterior approach patients. I do primarily anterior, but for some that are indicated for posterior, I use Hippoline every time. And for that one, there's a couple big utilization sort of value adds to me. For the posterior approach, just it gives you better information when it comes to your component positions and then you can accurately assess your leg length and offset numbers as well whereas previously you know for of us all of us who do posterior approach it's hard to bring in the x-ray sometimes you can't really get good c arms it's, a lot of it is based off feel which is great you should know how to do that but this is extra verification to make sure you're hitting those targets accurately every time and on the anterior approach side it's allowed me to minimize the fluoroscopy quite significantly so when i use it for the anterior approach not only am I able to make fine adjustments to the cup position, again, I do a lot of spinal pelvic assessment in my clinic, which we don't have to get into today, but I can make changes if I want to and sort of make sure I'm accurately hitting cup positions and then decrease the fluoroscopy use that I use, which is important for us because like a lot of us around the country, we're experiencing staff changes. And so sometimes I may not get the best x-ray tech in there. It's a really big pain point. And it's when it comes to the efficiency in my hospital, and so the more I'm able to minimize that, how much they need to do intraoperatively, it sped me up quite a bit in the operating room. Yeah, that's a really good point because staff turnover, I think affects everybody, certainly has affected me. So if we can have reliable information that doesn't 
rely on other players in the room, like a CRM tech, like you're talking about. Right. Boy, we've really enhanced our ability to deliver accurate care for each and every patient. With regard to the Ortholine and Lantern and, and the balancing feature, Mike, give our surgeons out there the top two, three things I need to know about that. Like, yes, it's customizable, but what are those points in the procedure that you find that that really, really sings its song? Yeah, you know, for me, the most important part of it is the ability to set femoral rotation. I think we don't do femoral rotation well. It's probably one of the big challenges we have. All of our techniques are based on sort of guesses on relationships between multiple axes, right? The transapicondyl axis, posterior condyles, white sides line. They have somewhat uh, reproducible relationships, but not really. We actually published a study a couple of years ago, showed that three degrees has absolutely nothing to do with the relationship between the posterior condyles and the transepicondyl Wait, axis. Wait, what? Three yeah. degrees is not the gold standard? It, it's, no. it's not, right? It's, it's we not thought it was because it's the best thing we had. Correct. And right. now being able to actually measure every single patient, seeing some are one degree, some are eight degrees, some are internally rotated. I know you're not allowed to say that in the world of knee replacements, but yes, every once in a while, somebody requires a bit of internal rotation of that femoral component as long as the trochlea still lines up in order to accurately balance their flexion gap based on their own ligamentous conditions. And so I think that's the biggest one for me is femoral rotation. I'm obviously also being able to very accurately adjust my flexion and extension gap. So I do sort of gap balancing, extension gap balancing first technique, being able to know my extension gap and then being able to adjust the position of my femoral component to set my flexion gap. It's made everything more reproducible. It's made everything a lot easier. And, and as many people who work with technology will say, it's so much better to do surgery with actual numbers and actual measurements, as opposed to having to stand at the back of the table and be like, ah, that kind of looks okay. <laughs> yeah. And so we learned historically at this kind of mentorship program, you know, I put my knees in loose because I trained at a place where he put in knees loose or, or what have you. But now we have the ability to have intraoperative objective information. And quite frankly, I think that that intraoperative information has to be connected to patient reported outcomes so we can prove once and for all that I'm doing it right. No, <laughs> that, that, that either the guys who place it loosely are doing it right or, or otherwise. But that was a great point about the femoral rotation, you know, the three degrees thing, which we all used for years. I did, Mike. So you did know, I. Yeah, manual, set it at three degrees, rock and roll, man, and try to fix the soft tissue later. Little did we know it was us who were wrong in the first place. What, what I have said many times over is it's never three degrees. Like <laughs> it might be two and a half and it might be three and a half and it might be even internal, but it's not three degrees. And so the ability to know that now is so powerful for our patients. And I think, James, tell me if you see this, I think when we get the implants right in the patient, there's less pain, less soft tissue pain, quicker recovery. Are you seeing some of that? I mean, I don't wanna go off the rails here, but, but I do <laughs> think if you're matching the patient, there's less flexibility or, or, or less violation of the tissues, and therefore it feels more normal earlier. You, Completely agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, adoption of technology as well, it's almost made my knee practice turn into what the outcomes I typically see and what we all see in the hip replacement world, where it's a reproducible results. Patients are doing better much earlier. Obviously, still knees are more painful of a procedure to go through, but it's made it to where it's a pretty predictable outcome and course for that specific patient. So in my practice, I feel like I have seen quite a difference when it comes to uh, patients post-operative pain and recovery. We just need now objective data sort of proving that because if your patients do better than mine, I wanna know, and then yeah. I wanna start doing what you're doing. And that's the information sharing that we're gonna start doing over on as more people move to technology-assisted surgeries. 
Eric, I'm going to give you the, the the last word. And again, thank you so much from an AUKUS perspective now, from a corporate AUKUS organization standpoint. These types of meetings are simply not able to be done unless we have industry support. So thank you to OrthoLine, not only for bringing this innovative technology, which which you'll receive this re reward, which essentially is a plaque, um, <laughs> but also putting your, your money dollars, your corporate dollars, which I know you work hard for, into investing into our surgeons. So thank you, Eric. Well, we appreciate it. AUKUS is always a great meeting for us and a, a great time to interact with our surgeons and industry and show them what we do. We're thrilled to win the award. Lantern has been a huge catalyst and kind of the next growth lever for our company and will continue to cause us uh, and help us grow at a strong pace. So we appreciate everything that's been done and we graciously accept the award. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.